Welcome back, everyone. It's MX Asian American. Today we have Serena. Uh, you want to introduce yourself first? Yes, Karen. Hi, friends. My name is Serena Lee from Seattle, Washington. Um, I actually have three jobs. First and foremost, I'm a mother of a three-year-old. Um, and normally from the hours of eight to six, I'm an advertising and marketing professional at a global ad agency. And then after hours, usually from 10 to midnight, I'm the founder, author, and innovator at Books and Eco Goods. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, first and foremost, we just want to dive a little bit into your childhood. Um, could you tell us a little bit about how and where you grew up and how like young Serena was like? Yeah, of course. I identify myself as a 1.5 generation Chinese American. I was born and raised in Guangzhou, China until I was 14. I immigrated to Houston, Texas with my family and that's where I grew up in my formative years before eventually moving to Seattle. So looking back, I think young Serena was very outgoing, extremely friendly, and perhaps that's because I'm a Gemini, so classic <laughs> Gemini personality. Um, but immigrating to a country where I didn't speak the language at all is really, really tough, especially when I was in just a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, but thanks to the friendly Texans that welcomed me with open arms, I was able to learn English quickly and um, go through high school. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like young Serena was also an overachiever. Uh, if you couldn't tell by my mom, 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 how do you call it? Mom entrepreneurial life. Um, I enrolled myself in the debate club, even though I speak, I didn't speak English fluently um, just because I wanted more practice to, you know, put myself on the spot and having to learn the language. Mm. And then eventually I was one of the nine academic decathlon members representing my high school in a state championship. Mm. That's like four years wow. after I moved here. Um, I also babysat as my first job and taught piano and art lessons to little kids. So anyway, I would just, I was just obsessed with working and, <laughs> And, and and learning, I guess. Um, I was definitely a huge nerd. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm curious how um, you did say that you moved here to America during your formative years um, and yeah. grew up in Texas. So I was wondering how it was like adjusting to American culture, like mm -hmm. life in Texas. Um, yeah, especially yeah. like as a teenager, I would feel like that would be really, really like difficult and overwhelming too. Yeah, that was. I mean, growing up in China, right, especially in Guangzhou, where it's a huge metropolitan city, um, we have high rise everywhere, you know, life is just so busy. Mm -hmm. um, but in Texas, everything was so calm. I mean, I, I lived in Katy, Texas, out of all places, which is, you know, about a 45 minute uh, west of Houston. Mm -hmm. It's just in the suburbs. So no buildings are taller than, you know, five, six stories. <laughs> and, you know, but it did give a whole new perspective. I think my, my dad, um, my dad was a businessman, um, in China, and he worked around the clock, providing for our family. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, through all that hard work, he, you know, he got sick, he, you know, and he still had to kind of pay the price of uh, even 
now 20 years into retirement. Um, but I think one thing that when my parents realize is that, you know, there's money can always be earned, but your your health cannot be, you know, reversed, right? Um, so my 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 mom actually made the choice of immigrating here, just going somewhere that has nothing so that my dad and and her can just stay home and, you know, actually see us growing up. Wow. So it's a huge, um, it's a huge choice that they make, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just choosing family over money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, to, to me, I think in a way that has a huge impact in my life as well, because I, I, I see what my parents go through mm-hmm. when they were in China versus now, um, you know, and I, I appreciate that opportunity of getting here and just, having the opportunity to work on things that I like that I enjoy rather than you know I'm pretty sure in China if I stay there it would just be like oh you know take over your dad's business or oh you know because of these connections we have like go work in this company instead so it's less about my choice if I were to stay Uh back home yeah that's super interesting that um your story or your parents story is a little bit different from mm-hmm. um, some other asian asian parents that i've um heard about like most people yeah. immigrate here because they want to you know be more financially stable or look for better entrepreneurial opportunities um but instead your parents were um looking after your family um so i think that was that's super interesting also admiring as well um, yeah, we were one of the first um, investment visa holders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that route of like, so we we didn't have families here. Actually, my parents didn't even speak English, mm-hmm. um, but because they wanted to move to somewhere far mm-hmm. um, in order to stay here, they have to invest in an American company. Um, mm-hmm. with at least 15 people, you know, paying for all their expenses and 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 salary for three years before we were able to obtain our green card um you know and so so to my parents really it's trading money for Mm -hmm. a peace of mind and for health Mm. yeah um so growing up and then um uh go into high school and things like Mm -hmm. that um do you have any idea of like where you were headed or what you want to do yeah so my my mom is a tiger mom of course (laughs) right um she suggested career that were recession proof that were future proof Mm -hmm. such as becoming a pharmacist um she's not you know so much about you know me becoming a business person just because in China, you know, if you're a business person, you drink a lot, you, yes. you're out partying a lot. Uh-huh. Um, hence why my, my dad ba- barely saw, saw us as yeah. we were growing up. Um, but I'm also not built to be a pharmacist, right? I barely speak any English. How would I remember all the medical names? So I remember telling <laughs> my mom, I'm like, I have no idea what these things even say. Like I, I'm barely passing biology class. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I grew up in an entrepreneurial household and seeing the hard work that my dad put in, I sort of felt that it, it is going to be, be my life at some point. Mm. Um, you know, partly because 
um, you know, for, for me, I, I feel like being able to build something of your own and it, it's quite exciting, whether it's a product, a business, right? Um, and then my parents also weren't against going to business school because after all, they think, oh, you know, if you go to business school, maybe you can find a decent job at a bank and sit there and, you know, do your nine to five. Um, that's pretty good too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so without really questioning why or how I just applied um, into college majoring in finance. Mm. Um, and then it was like the last year when I realized, you know, finance is cool, but I also want to dabble into marketing since, you know, it's, it doesn't, um, it, 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 it sounds way more interesting um, than all the numbers I was crunching. Mm-hmm. So, so I major in marketing as well um, to give myself a little bit of that safety net in case the finance didn't work out. Mm-hmm you know, um, so yeah. Uh, well, little did I know the good thing about having this double major actually helped me tremendously. Um, because as I became a working professional, um, having that, you know, the ability to think from a finance perspective, which is usually about saving money, and then from our marketing spend perspective, which is usually about spending money, having that balance is really important and make me a more well-rounded person, definitely. Mm, yeah, I had never thought about it like that, but that that's a very good point. Could <laughs> <laughs> um, you tell us also what your first career was like? Yeah, one thing that I tell my mentees um, is that when you're in your early 20s, it really doesn't matter what job you hold because mm. every job gives you experience and perspective, which will help you in your eventual career, whichever that might be. Um, so in college, I had two jobs. Um, one of them was telemarketing, which I absolutely hated, but I needed wow. the nighttime job. Um, it was a very tough job, as you can uh-huh. imagine. You're calling people at dinner time, mm-hmm. asking for donation. You're not even giving them any value in return, you know, other than maybe bragging rights. <laughs> um, so you can imagine that every job after that just feels like a breeze. Mm. Um, what I what I realized is because of that telemarketing experience, that cold calling experience, it made me um not afraid of rejection mm-hmm. you know um i'm very comfortable getting on calls visiting clients you know and and just just do my job and kind of yeah without without putting my personal feelings into into it too much mm-hmm. um later on in my last year in college i had um an internship at ch robinson which is an international logistics firm. Um, and that gave me a lot of insider perspective in ocean import, air freight, you know, literal truckload of knowledge, which helped me later as I was figuring out how to get my products from overseas to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, my first real job after college was working at Wells Fargo, um, which is where my parents wanted me to be sitting at a bank from nine to five. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, also a retail job. So lots of customer service experience there. Yeah. Um, and it was a very humbling experience for sure. Um, I was, my, my Wells Fargo branch was right in Chinatown in Seattle. So I was able to use my language skills to help many customers. Mm. Um, but the bad thing with that job was 
um, at that time, you know, the culture, the company culture and the pressure to open account, even when customers didn't really absolutely need it, was just draining me so much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the good thing out of all that is I met my future employer there mm. who owned a um, multicultural advertising agency. And that's what really kickstarted my ad agency career. Um, yeah, I, I do want to kind of, you know, disclaimer here as well. Sparkle culture did change a lot after that whole entire lawsuit, um, that you might have heard of. Um, so now I'm, I'm, I'm very much sure that they are, they're no longer forcing accounts on people, you know, and they are focusing on customer service. So I do want to kind of put that disclaimer <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I, I really love the first thing you shared, which is like um, in your early 20s, it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter what job you hold. Because yeah. I feel like I've been really struggling with that. Like um, I haven't really entered, um, quote unquote, the real job market yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've been really hesitant and also really afraid to do so because I feel like there's this pressure or maybe this pressure I put on myself that mm-hmm. like this first job is like really important. Like I it really needs to be what I really want to do for the mm-hmm. rest of my life or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like what you said is is really true. Like maybe you won't find your quote unquote dream job until later or maybe you'll even pivot from your dream job you know like yeah um keeping the doors open definitely is um is important because sometimes you know we have the perception of what that job's supposed to be mm -hmm. and then you go into it and you realize man it's nothing like what you imagine (laughs) so so yeah i i totally I totally understand how you how you feel there too because you know like going into Wells Fargo I thought that's where I'm gonna be for 20 years Mm. but I only stay there for a year and a half and partly it's what I have mentioned right because of the company culture and all that but partly was also the macroeconomic that was happening at it you know because the economy when I was working at Wells Fargo was I think we were you know kind of down at a recession and so there's just a lot of things in the finance industry that 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 affected that whole entire experience Mm -hmm. of working there that so so I would say sometimes it may not even be about you it may be about the outside factor that could ruin that experience for you hey but think about it it's kind of like dating right like your first (laughs) your first partner like you know dating partner may not be your eventual spouse Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't know what you like until Uh you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is very true (laughs) um and I loved how like you showed um in each of your like jobs that Mm -hmm. they gave you something useful like for you Mm -hmm. in the future like uh, you had you basically like had to go through these jobs to land where you are right now oh absolutely yeah Yeah. it's almost like it's meant to be even though it was a zigzag Uh Um, but it all kind of linked together now like a network of knowledge Mm -hmm. that was super helpful yeah yeah so um in the beginning you mentioned that your first job is um as a mother um so could you tell us a little bit about um Mm -hmm. how and when you met your husband um and then when you had Sophia your daughter 
Yeah, my my husband, um, fourth generation Japanese American, born in Hawaii. Um, he's definitely very laid back. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked in the government sector. He logged off at 4 p.m. every day. He does not understand <laughs> why I need to put more jobs on myself. But, you know, we're very different. Um, but yeah, we, we have a little daughter named Sophia. Um, and yeah, after, after, I'm not sure if you have kids yet, um, Karen, but after you have a kid, it like really turns your world upside down and it gives you a whole new perspective of priorities, right? Um, before kid, it was all about, you know, chasing after titles and after salary ranges. And, but after kid, it's more of like, what is the what is the purpose of everything that you do? Because every hour that you spend away from your kid must have served a purpose, must be more important than your kids somehow. So it really made me rethink about how I'm spending my time. Um, but before I kind of even arrived at all of that, you know, my postpartum experience was, uh, it was nothing of what I was imagining. So and and that was kind of like the transition to motherhood, right? It didn't just transition 100% during childbirth. I feel like it's, it's within the first year of realizing that, man, this child is not going anywhere. And I'm my mother now, like um, that, that's like that transition um, was very uh, life-changing for me. Um, so kind of going into a little bit of my my experience there. Um, after I gave birth to Sophia, naturally everything was kind of going sideways, right? I had all these things that were planned, but all the plans were out of the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I most mostly because I had a I had a traumatic birth experience. And then after that the breastfeeding did not go so well mm-hmm. whatsoever. And I was just beating myself over it. Um, and as a result, I was diagnosed with severe postpartum depression eight months after birth. It was a lot later than what normally people would have called out. But because I think growing up as Asian American, um, my family don't talk about mental health a lot. So I was just kind of brushing it under the rug, right, for a really long time until it was almost too late. Um, I know, I know I should have seek treatment earlier, but I didn't. I was really ashamed to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, but later on, of course, like it's not normal for you to plan out your own death in like early 30s. So uh good thing is my husband was very supportive and and he encouraged me to to talk to a therapist. And I actually didn't even want to make an appointment. He made my initial appointment and he's like, just just go, just talk to your doctor. Um, Something that was eye-opening was in my first few sessions, my therapist told me that it's that her usual clients are women like me Mm. who are overachiever with a successful career with a people pleaser personality. Mm. I basically fit right into the mold (laughs) of what her normal clients are. Um, and that's the usual clients for uh, patients, the usual patients for postpartum depression. Um, that was life changing mm. because that made me realize like my entire life as what I was thinking that was heading into 
you know, success could be a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. You can kind of tell that I always put a lot of pressure on myself, right, to succeed mm-hmm. um, and do more, more, more. I think it's that like Asian overachiever type of you know personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during my postpartum depression, I had a lot of time to reflect. Uh, most of the time, it's because you know, like when you're depressed, you can't sleep. So in those dark hours, when your child is sleeping, your husband is sleep- sleeping, I just had a lot of time to think. Um, so I thought about, you know, why, why am I like this? Why am I an overachiever? Um, did I want to do that? Or was that my parents that were pressing me to? Mm-hmm. Was it because the society was pressing me to? Um, I realized a lot of what I do was to please my parents. I wanted to make them proud. Um, I feel like, you know, I was never enough and I needed to do something else to overcompensate. So in other words, I actually feel like maybe perhaps my parents' love for me was conditional upon my perceived success. Mm, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I am I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like you said you, you didn't seek treatment earlier for your mm-hmm. um, postpartum depression because you felt like you were ashamed to. Um, yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about like the shame surrounding this mental health issue yeah 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 because you know we we know that when we are say we fall ill and it's a you know physical health thing we go to the doctor right like that's just what what we're taught to do um but I think growing up as Asian American we don't think about mental health in that way we don't think about it as in like something that you need to seek treatment it's more of like oh, just think positive, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, just be stronger. Like your mind need to get stronger. Um, You know, I I think kind of that shame is, I hate to admit that there is, that I'm going through this, that I'm not able to fix it myself, right? Because unlike, like, for example, if you need to do a surgery, you know that you need a, you know, a surgeon to help you with that. You can't just cut yourself open and do the surgery yourself, right? Um, and that's very much the same with mental health. Um, now that I, you know, went through the entire recovery journey is it's not something you, that you could just sit down, do your self-care, read some books and like can fix it yourself because it all comes down to you needed a professional to guide you through those thought process. Otherwise you're just spiraling down um, in this hole that it's really hard to climb out of. I'm hoping, well, nowadays I talk a lot about mental health and, and I really welcome the opportunity to talk about it with anyone because I wish that when I was going through it that there were other women similar to me that that are open to talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, to to say that, hey, you know, what you're feeling right now, it's actually very common with people that just have babies and you, you know, and it's not something you can just deal with it yourself. Like you need to get professional help and you will feel better after, but you have to go through this. You have to, you know, take that step. I wish there were more um, women that, that are willing to say that they went through similar things, mm. right? Yeah. 
yeah um no that totally makes sense and i feel like perhaps this also like came from your um family environment or like your um overachiever i guess uh, personality because mm-hmm. it feels like everything needs to be done by yourself right like yeah and this like yeah. mental health thing like i i have to um overcome this like by myself without anybody's mm-hmm. help right yeah um so yeah i totally get that um so what do you think helped you um through this really hard time yeah so one thing when I was going through postpartum depression, I had a really hard time um, bonding with my daughter. Um, you, you know, you know how moms usually on social media are like, oh my gosh, I can't get enough of this yeah. cutie pie, you know? <laughs> oh, you know, she's so cute. Like, I actually didn't, did not even think my daughter was cute at all. All I can see is all the flaws, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a mother, you're supposed to, you know, love your daughter like no other. So I was having a hard time bonding with my daughter. Um, but what helped me um, bond with my daughter, even when I wasn't willing to, is 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 my daughter initiating mm. um she she can sense my emotion um and she's you know even at a very young age you know she would look at me and she would grab books and want me to read to her mm. um, and she really liked books even before she can read she she would flip through pages and look at the pictures all the time um so I think reading and just spending that quality time with her had really helped me through the darkest moments mm, that's so sweet and cute yeah. that your daughter is the one who initiated <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh, eventually um you started duck duck books um could mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about how you got started and what inspired you yeah so, you know, how um, my daughter and I read a lot of books. We we have so much. Um, and all these books that we read, right, gave me a, a whole new outlook because while they are very wonderful books by wonderful authors, um, but I keep thinking, well, what if there are books with meaningful messages, with social emotional learning themes that help the parents bond and develop higher emotional intelligence Mm. with their child during the most crucial years of their life right because I thinking back I read a lot of books when I was young too but not much we're talking about social emotional learning Mm -hmm. and perhaps because of that that I later on suffer through my own mental health you know journey and not knowing I don't not knowing how to deal with it because I don't have the tools to identify and to cope with my emotions. Um, so that's when I decided to make my own book that talk about self-esteem, talk about diversity, talk about accepting differences, and also about unconditional love. Really, it's I wanted to make books that I wish I had when I was little with the messages that I wish my parents would say to me. Um, that perhaps would have avoided that hell that I went through over the last two years. Mm. I do I do realize that as parents, we have a lot of power. Um, that's that's why I think about, you know, motherhood being my most important job out of all. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you 
it's not just about feeding and making sure our children are well, you know, dressed and everything. It's we have that power to put a stop to generational trauma. Mm. We could break a cycle. We could reestablish that healthy mother-daughter relationship um, that I wish I had, right? Mm. Um, where I don't have to do anything to please my mother that I love unconditionally. I wish my mom would have said that, but her action says something different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, without trying to change my mother, um, I could change myself and I could change the relationship I have establishing um, with my daughter. And that's really why I started Dr. Books. Um, so currently, Dr. Books is a multi- multilingual children's book publisher um, specialized in making social emotional learning more accessible. Wow, yeah. Um, thank you for that too. And I like just listening to you talk about this I um almost I wish I had that type of relationship (laughs) with my mother um because I also you know didn't grow up um with a lot of verbal validation or even just like yeah um of course I didn't feel like I was unconditionally loved at all Mm -hmm. right um so this is like um, a really, really a crucial and important step, I think, um, in a child's um, life. Uh, so I'm curious also about the name, Duck Duck Books. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> yeah, well, one thing is Duck Duck Books is kind of like Duck Duck Goose, right? It's a childhood uh-huh. game. It's very catchy. It's very yep. relevant to different culture. I think there's a Duck Duck Goose game in pretty much many, many culture. Mm-hmm. Um so, and also just something about ducks, right? Not, not that I'm like, obsessed with ducks because I realize that sounds really weird. But, but you know, a duckling learns to walk on land and swim through water from birth, right? Because it is immersed in both environment from birth. And I think that's what our next generation would have to be because our society, our community is becoming more multicultural. It's becoming more diverse, um, and I'm really hoping that our next generation could be like ducklings where, you know, no matter if it's a language, a culture, anything new, um, you know, in the face of diversity that they know how to, you know, embrace that. So that that's why, you know, uh, um, a duckling is basically our, our mascot, our logo. Um, also, you know, something that the, of, of why a zero to five years old, kind of like this duckling, right? It's because um, I learned that between the age of zero to five, which is called the early years foundation stage, um, it's actually the most important developmental stage Mm -hmm. for any complex tax, like learning a new language, like cultivating skills to achieve higher emotional intelligence, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, EQ, we might heard of that. Um, and this stage is all about nurture, right? It's, it doesn't matter what, what, what genes a child have at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were able to be nurtured during zero to five, it basically almost guarantee that their later stages in life is going to be better because they have that skill set they have the confidence to explore to to face you know adversity to to face um anything that come their way Mm. and 
given my experience of bonding through my daughter through books at this stage, um, I feel like children's books are, you know, the the best tools. Yeah, um, thank you so much for sharing that too. And I I, I do love the um, Duck Duck Books name and I did love um, playing Duck Duck Goose growing up. So um, that was really fun for me. Um, and then one thing that um, as I was kind of going through the development of Duck Duck Books, at first I thought, you know, making children's books are so fun. You know, there's not that many pages, it, you know, um, you know, it's, it, it just, it kind of bring you back to like the happy years of your life. Right. Mm-hmm. But as I was going through all these books that we now develop, I, I realized children's books are probably the hardest to make mm-hmm. because yeah. we as adults, sometimes we have way too many words, we overcomplicate things. And so really to think about how to communicate a complex subject, such as EQ, Mm-hmm. in ways that children will understand it's actually a huge challenge and that's what makes making that book so fun now too because you know like for me it's like it's this challenge that I find very exciting and relevant for me as a mom mm. yeah that is very true because also because like children's books are a lot shorter so it's like you really really have to simplify um, the language, but also mm-hmm. like complex ideas. Um, How to grasp the, their mm-hmm. interests while you are reading to them before their attention span. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Goes away. Yeah. Um, so while you are juggling this um, full time mom mom entrepreneurship, <laughs> as you said, <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you manage your own mental health um, while you're like doing so many things at once? Yeah, I think mental health recovery is a journey. It's a it's a process. Um, it's never an on and off like a switch. It's not to say, oh, today I feel great. I'm happy. That's what I will be the entire day. It also made me realize that it's going to be a lifelong battle mm-hmm. um, to continue to evolve. You know, it's not that, oh, you know, I went through the darkest moment of my life. Now I went through therapy. Everything just magically got better. It it doesn't. Your life is still the way that it is. It's just the way that you would be able to handle mm-hmm. by controlling how you think and catching yourself before you spiral, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, there's no quick fix in terms of mental health. Um, but what I appreciate, though, is everything that I've learned through therapy because you know, now those are tools in my toolbox that I could use um, when I catch myself having a bad day or having, you know, um, you know, dangerous thoughts, right? Um, I think a lot of people talk about making time for self-care, like going to a spa, hanging out with your best friends. And those are really, really helpful. But there are two tips from my own experience that have helped me tremendously that I'm hoping to share um, with your listeners as well so one of them is to compartmentalize I think going through my own journey I realized that I can do a lot but I can only do so much mm. and if you try to be everything to everyone all at once it could be very overwhelming mm-hmm. it, because it also means that you are half-assing everything that you do right you can't do all of them well for sure so how I compartmentalize my day now is I do not think about doctor books at all during my day job. Mm-hmm. I want to be fully present for my clients, for my team. And same thing, 
I do not do anything else if I'm reading with my daughter. I'm not on my phone. I'm not checking emails. And I, I wear different hats depending on which hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And what, but at that hour, I wear that one hat only, not multiple hats at once. Mm-hmm. So that had helped me. And the second thing, uh, second tip that I have is go at your own pace. I think nowadays with social media, it's so easy to compare just because everybody is flaunting everything that they do, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very extremely unhealthy to, to compare. And But this is still a work in progress for me, honestly, because I look at my social media, I do feel like I only share the good stuff, right? I, I've never really shared my, like when I'm just lying in bed and not doing crap because I feel like crap like I I don't post that on social media right Mm -hmm. um I also don't want to like now you know as the founder of the books I was also able to connect with a lot of mama authors out there and I going into it like I want to make sure that I don't compare myself with any other mama authors Mm. like especially you know you know, someone posted how many books that they were able to sell or like, you know, all these big achievements, how much money they were able to raise on Kickstarter. Because to me, I I realized that in my position, I need to celebrate their success because this industry needs more of us, right? Passionate creators who wanted to make more resources, more abundant, more accessible, rather than to think of myself as a competitor. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that's why, I found the Duck Duck Books as a platform for publishing rather than just say, oh, you know, I'm a self-published author because my eventual goal is actually to publish other people's stories, mm. um, to have more diverse writers joining us, mm-hmm. right? And giving us a chance to, you know, to publishing, whereas traditional publishers usually underlook, uh, oh, oh, sorry, overlook. Mm-hmm. um people like us yeah um mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing the tips and i really really um resonate especially with the compartmentalized one because i'm also like have been struggling with that but also like have been realizing that i really need to do something about <laughs> this because <laughs> i've also been realizing like if i'm trying to do everything at once at the same time then like there is going to be things that I have asked and yeah. I really like even if I'm just like meeting a person or hanging out with a friend like mm-hmm. I don't want to give them like half of my energy yeah. right that's like they don't deserve that like they need to be treated also with like my 100 percent um so I that's what I've been also realizing so yeah. I'm also trying to work through that um, but um, as you said about um, you mentioned a little bit about the future of Duck Duck Books but um, mm-hmm. could you expand a little bit more do you have any like near future plans or future plans um, for where it's going to be going yeah well um, as I mentioned Duck Duck Books currently focus on creating multilingual board books um, board books being the hard page books for zero to five years old Um, representing multicultural values with themes around social emotional learning you know early social skills right Mm -hmm. um so we we've gotten a lot of like 
comments from from fans followers that are asking oh will you be making books for older children you know we'll be making books in these and those you know other topics and I think those are wonderful feedback that that we will consider um, but we have to remain focused and make sure that we're good at what we do uh, we launched a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago with three languages, and we just added two more language options this year because, again, like I said, I wanted to make all these um, all these messages accessible, and through that is to make them in different languages and, and make it a bilingual resource as well. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, in the next five to ten years, we're definitely hoping to add more languages. Um, so those are definitely in the works. Uh, One thing I wanted to kind of, you know, highlight is, I guess, like, you know, for Dr. Books and the messages that we that we do in Autofile Books, um, we want to make sure that first and foremost, they are cross-cultural. So they are not singular to just one particular culture. and the reason is because, you know, like if we look into our friend circle and our children's friend circle in the future, it's not like they are only going to hang out with a particular, you know, yeah. Chinese culture. Like, it, you know, I actually feel like it would be actually harder to find people that are 100% of a particular, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh ethnicity or culture just because of how how mixed we are mm-hmm. and that's what I want to do with Dr. Books is make sure that we're future proof that we are creating um, these tools with messages that are relevant not just now but hopefully 10-20 years into the future mm-hmm. um, so 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 yeah so in my book we we reflect a lot of the um, the things that make up our community these days. So one of the uh, uh, what one of the books called "I Love You More" features a a mother son combo in the English and Spanish versions, and then a dad and daughter combo in the um, in a Chinese and Cantonese versions. Um, but it was very intentional because you never see what the other parents is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, you know, it, it's a subtle nod to, to the family makeup that we perhaps see more nowadays of a single parent household, Yeah. right? So those things we normally don't see in books. We see a, par- a, a mom, a dad, a child, um, but it could be you have two dads or you have two moms, or maybe you only have one mom or one dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want those children reading our books could see their family makeup in our books as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, aside from books, uh, almost two months ago, I launched Duck Up Eco Goods, where I designed innovative, eco-friendly children's lifestyle accessories. Mm. So I, I'm very passionate about creating a sustainable future for our next generation. And the sustainable part could take shape in many different forms, right? Mm-hmm. One is the environmental aspect that, that we know about. So like our books are printed on plant-based ink and you know we're utilizing um, paper from responsibly sourced um, paper. And, but at the same time, the sustainability part also come from, you know, making sure children grow up with the social skill 
sets that they need to succeed in life, right? Um, and one thing that as I become a mom, I realize is we really needed products that are long lasting, that are from renewable sources, because our children and their children won't have as much resources as we see nowadays on earth, right? Um, so kind of making things that are long lasting, that can be reused and upcycled, I think it's going to be a first step in tackling child consumerism. I think nowadays we look at Amazon culture, right? Like we, we look at just how easy it is to buy something and it's so cheap with free shipping even. Mm-hmm. And then where do those things go? You know, they don't just dissolve like after we no longer use them. And even if we donate it, you know, it, it's still there, right? Mm-hmm. So, so one of the product that I've designed using Supernatural Paper, which is a trademark product from Out of the Woods, they they are made of tree pulp, mm. which is a renewable source, but it's actually treated so it's waterproof, it's washable. And the entire backpack gets convertible. So when the child is before five, um, it's a it's a it's a backpack with straps and um, it's got a leash from the front and a leash from the back. I designed it based on dog leashes that we like using <laughs> um, to help keep the child safe. Mm-hmm. And then after five, when it started going into school, you can take off all the straps and the carabiners are reusable. Oh. Um, the strap can be technically, you know, reconfigured to be a single shoulder bag. But, you know, that um, but without the straps, you can use it as a lunch bag because the inside is insulated. Mm. So you can see here, you know, one product I'm hoping to create can be used from birth all the way to perhaps, you know, you know, maybe seven, eight years or even longer. Mm. Um, so compared to nowadays as parents, we have to buy backpack of different sizes. We have to buy lunch bag. Um, I'm just hoping to kind of consolidate all of that. Yeah, that's that's um, super cool. And I'm really, really excited for uh, next stages of DuckDuckBooks um, mm-hmm. and the mission that the company um, is moving forward with um and also with the duck duck eco goods um Mm -hmm. yeah and thank you so much for coming on the show um of course thank you for the opportunity yeah where can listeners find you online if they want to connect yes so you can find duck duck books and duck duck eco goods on duckduckbooks.com um, we're on all social social media um, at Duck Duck Books, mm-hmm. and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Serena Y Lee. Um, yeah, I, I welcome anyone to connect with me to talk more about anything about entrepreneurship, about you know motherhood, about mental health. Um, I am a literal open book. yeah um i'll link everything in the show notes too um and yeah thank you again serena 